Well, good morning again. Welcome to St. Paul's. We're thrilled you're here, especially if it's your first time. Now, one of my recurring teen nightmares was when the phone would ring. There was only one phone, it was in the kitchen, and hearing my father's voice, who shall I say is calling, long before caller ID, and then my father calling me, handing me the phone with that look, insert some boy's name, is on the phone for you. I think it's an injustice, by the way, that our daughters have never had to go through the whole who is calling trial by fire. We're continuing in our E100 preaching series, looking at the essential 100 passages from the Bible and what they mean for our daily lives here in Toronto or wherever you're joining us from. And so far, we've encountered the furthest reaches of recorded history in ancient Mesopotamia, looking at how God interacted with those desert nomads, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And last week, we heard how Joseph, the favorite son of Jacob in that most dysfunctional family, is sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers, Egypt, the wealthy global superpower at the time, think Russia, the US with a dash of Dubai all mixed in together. Now Joseph rose through the ranks of the Egyptian civil service and eventually he ended up as the right-hand man to Pharaoh, which most historians believe was the great Ramses II of the 13th century BC. And it's Ramses II's daughter while bathing one morning, who finds a baby floating in the mighty Nile River. And she raises this baby as a prince in the royal household. And the child becomes the young man, Moses, who by any estimation is one of the most important figures in world history. Moses grows up culturally as an Egyptian prince, but knows that ethnically he's a Hebrew an Israelite, and after murdering an Egyptian site manager for mistreating an Israelite slave worker, he has to flee some 200 miles to the land of Midian in the Arabian Peninsula. And that's where our reading that Carrie read for us this morning from the book of Exodus picks up the story. Moses has got a comfortable exile. He married into the wealthy family of the priest of Midian, Jethro, and he's tending his father-in-law's flocks when the phone rings. Who shall I say is calling? Moses is about to have an extraordinary encounter with God, an encounter that demonstrates for us two things. First, that God wishes to be known, that God is knowable. And second, that knowing God personally is wonderfully practical because almost all the times that you and I struggle in our daily lives, it's because in that moment, we've forgotten something about God. So as we look at this passage from Exodus together, you might wanna call it up on your phone uh, or open it in your Bible. It's Exodus chapter three, one to 15. Exodus chapter three. Moses, he's now an old man, and he's tending Jethro's flock around Mount Horeb, minding his own business. When he sees a bush 
out in the middle of nowhere, burning for all it's worth. He considers the possibilities. Is it a bolt of stray lightning, perhaps? Spontaneous combustion, maybe? Or perhaps it only looks like it's burning. It could be some kind of phosphorescence or a fake rigged up with foil and orange lights, some Midianite's idea of a hilarious joke. But no, he could hear the crackling of the flames. He could smell the smoke and see the thin column of heat rising into the air above the bush. And the odd thing is that it doesn't quit. As long as Moses stands there transfixed, not a single twig turns into ash. Moses steps closer. Our first point, God wishes to be known. God is knowable. Verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. No kidding. This is what's called a theophany, a theophany, an actual appearing of God in our world. In this case, a burning bush. And throughout history, not only in other faith traditions and philosophical systems, but also in our popular consciousness, a dominant view is that God does not reveal God's self. God cannot be known in any meaningful way, essentially removing God from our daily lives. And I've spent lots of time over the years with people who are spiritually searching Maybe you are. And they often have penetrating questions about faith in God, and often the questions go something like this. I've never experienced God in my life. How would I even know if God exists? If God wants to connect with me, knock yourself out, God. I'm, I'm waiting. Good questions. Moses, Moses. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. No, no, says the consistent witness of the Bible. God chooses to reveal God's self to us. God is an extrovert with pretty loose privacy settings. God is out there revealing God's self in burning bushes that aren't consumed. Ordinarily, fire is dependent on fuel. No fuel, no fire. But this fire is not consuming the bush. This God has all being and power within God's self and is perfectly self-sufficient, which explains the famously cryptic answer to the big question that Moses asks when God tells him to go back to Egypt and demand Pharaoh release the Israelites from slavery. Uh, maybe but who do I say is calling? I am who I am. Basically, God gives Moses the Hebrew verb to be. You tell Pharaoh that I am sent you, that being itself is calling. The fire that needs no fuel, that's who's commanding you, Pharaoh. 
This is extraordinary. God of the universe, the beginning and the end, coming so close to Moses that the hairs on the back of his hands were getting singed. God wants to be known. God wants to be experienced. Blaise Pascal, a 16th century French philosopher and mathematician, had a life-changing encounter with God one night. And it was so extraordinary that he not only wrote about it in his diary, but he then ripped that page out of his diary, folded it up, and kept it inside his jacket pocket for the rest of his life. It's quite famous. You can Google it to uh, read the whole diary entry. But here is the bit for us today. From about half past 10 in the evening till about half past 12, fire, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and not of the philosophers and the savants, fire, certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace. Not the God of the philosophers, but the God of fire, of the burning bush. That is who Pascal encountered. Have you? Do you want to? Because God wants to be known. God can be known, either for the first time or in a fresh way. And this matters. It matters because our second point, because knowing God personally not the God of the philosophers, but the fire that needs no fuel is wonderfully practical because almost all the struggles that I have in my daily life and you have in yours, they are because in that moment, I've forgotten something about who God is. I've, I've lost sight of the character of I am who I am. Knowing God personally if you have eagle eyes, you may have noticed that verse 2 says this. There the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. But then verse 4 says this. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to Moses. Well, which one is it? The angel of the Lord, the Lord, or God? It's all of them. This is one of many places in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible that we share with our Jewish sisters and brothers, where God sends an angel to bring God's presence near to someone. This is not like the angel Gabriel, who then spoke uh, directly to young Mary. When the angel of the Lord speaks, it is God speaking. It is God setting aside all God's majesty and power so that a holy and perfect God can come close, close enough to singe your hair, can come close to a sinful human being like me, like Moses, like you. What's amazing in this encounter is not so much that the bush isn't burnt to a crisp, but that Moses isn't. Here he was in the presence of God with only the warning to take off the shoes he was wearing because he was on holy ground. And the only way that Moses was able to be that physically close to the creator of subatomic particles 
was because God was appearing in this form. This form who is both distinct from God, the angel of the Lord, and yet was also one with God, the one who says, I am who I am. I am who I am can be understood as none other than a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, where God sets aside all majesty and glory. Jesus comes to earth as a human, so we, sinful human beings, can know God personally. John 8, 58, Jesus speaking, before Abraham was, I am. I am Jesus, the fire that needs no fuel. How does this impact us in the middle of our struggles and our anxieties that, that we all have every day, what, whatever shape they take for you? Well, think about this. If the God who wants to be known, who is most perfectly revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the fire that needs no fuel, is perfectly self-sufficient, then listen to Jesus here again at John 15. See how this lands on your ears, John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. What a relief. The most effective way to get stronger and have more impact at home and at work is to realize that without God, you can do nothing. Why? Because if you think about it, any success that you have had at work or maybe in relationships has come because of God. Maybe you've made a lot of money in finance. Well, that head for numbers you have it came from God. Maybe you are a terrific nurse. Well, the vigilance and the stamina that you have, it came from God. Your ability to discern wisely while you swipe left or right, it comes from God. No matter how hard we work, anything at all that we achieve, it's all grace. It's all a gift from God which is such a relief because it means we don't have to hold everything up. Pope John XXIII, who was Pope in the 1960s, in order to actually get to sleep at night, imagine all the things you're worrying about if you're like the Pope. To actually get to sleep at night, he would say the same prayer every night. Well, Lord, it's your church. You take care of it now. I'm going to sleep. It's hard to learn that essential lesson that we are not in control. It usually happens during times of suffering or global pandemics. But as we grow in accepting that every good thing we have comes from God, when we remember the self-sufficiency of God and that Jesus invites us to rest in that, I am the vine, you are the branches. It can take such a burden of worry and anxiety off of us. In a staff meeting last week, we were talking about a strategic planning process that we hope to start this year. And I threw out, yes, we need less Jenny and more Jesus. 
there will be a heck of a lot less to worry about if we have more Jesus. Because almost every time that I'm struggling any given day, it's because I have forgotten in that moment some aspect of the character of God that I have discovered in Jesus. Moses, he had to wait till he was an incredibly old man and only herding sheep for his father-in-law before God decided that he was ready to call him to his life's work. Leading the Israelites out of slavery into Egypt, Moses had to come almost to the very end of his physical abilities. He was old. He had no personal financial capital uh, to speak of. And it was then that God said, okay, Moses, now you're ready. Now I can use you. I am the vine. You are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. When we remember our utter dependence on God, the fire that needs no fuel, only then can God decide to work with us. This coming week in E100, you're going to read more about Moses and how he needed to rely utterly on God as he battled with mighty Pharaoh and eventually led his enslaved people to freedom through the Red Sea. The next chapter in the story of everything, the story of a God who wants to be known, living and active in history, who can be alive and active in our lives if we choose to respond. May I say who's calling? Let's pray. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the great I am, thank you that you want to be known, known by each of us. Pour into our hearts the knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we would shine as your lights in the darkness of our world. Amen.